It was a great reset. The earth was flooded. But in the midst of the devastation and destruction, the ark that Noah built carried that family to a place of salvation. Noah, Ham, Shem, Japheth, and their families all had memories. It was easy to be reminded about what God had done, the destruction. They must have remembered the rain. They must have remembered the voices crying, stopping. They must have remembered waiting while the floodwaters buoyed them up over top of everything on the earth. And then, as the rains stopped, they waited. They waited looking out the window against the horizon of only water, and they must have remembered when the tops of the mountains came into view. It must have been a spectacle. It must have been the topic of conversation on the ark. It was, it was those moments that would be impossible to forget. They must They must have remembered the ark coming to rest on top of Mount Ararat, that gentle thud on the bottom of the boat, and it stopped. The motion arrested, and that constant season where they had been just at the mercy of the wind and the waves, now they had stability. They they must have remembered that. How would you forget the raven? And how would you forget the doves that were sent out? And finally, that last one, uh, that the one that was sent that came back, the one that came back with the, the little olive branch in its beak, and, and then the one that was released, and, and then they were released. I can't imagine that you would forget moments like that. What must it have been like to step out of the door of the ark and set your foot on solid soil? I, I can't imagine that you would forget a moment like that. There was the altar that Noah built as a reminder. There was an ark there in the mountain as a memorial. There was a rainbow in the sky as a promise, a covenant that God had made with man that he would never forget. And I would think that humanity should never have forgotten what God had done. He said he would never destroy the earth or flood them again and destroy mankind the way that he had. He made that promise to them as he put that rainbow in the sky. How would you forget something like that? I mean, can you imagine looking along the the beautiful skyline and you see Mount Ararat and there in the top of the mountain, now green because the earth is replenishing itself and now the vegetation is growing, but there in the midst of that mountainous area is a boat. On top of a hill. I mean, we're not talking about the tides of the Bay of Fundy. We're not talking about that. We're talking about up in the middle of a mountain is an ark. How would you forget that? And, and I'm sure that continuous skyline that was interrupted by that ark must have been a reminder. It must have been a reminder about what God had brought them through and where God had brought them to. It must have been a reminder that God was God of salvation. Yes, he was a God that had brought justice and he was a God that had brought destruction. But greater than that, this family knew him as the God of salvation. And I don't imagine that 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 would be easy to forget. Aren't you grateful for what God has brought some of us through this morning? I I, want to live in the midst of a group of people that don't forget the goodness of God. Uh, It'd be all right, actually, if you just kind of took a moment and tapped your neighbor and said, I'm glad I don't look like what I've been through. 
Because when I just look out this morning, you all look pretty good. You look put together and you, you sang well and you worship great. And, and we're all here and we, we can fool a lot of people a lot of time. But I tell you what, there's a lot of people in this room that have been through a lot. That we, we can turn around for a moment and be reminded of the goodness of God. And I'm glad that I don't look like what I've been through. It's only been the grace of God that allows us to be here amongst the goodness of God. It's only, come on, it's only God's great grace that has come into our lives. I, I just came to remind, it's, it's easy to forget. So I wonder if we just take a moment this morning and remember the goodness of God. I wonder if someone would just take a minute and stand and say, I know what God has done in my life. I don't have to look Look very far behind me to see the goodness of God. I don't have to look very far back and be reminded I'm only here by the great grace of an almighty good God. I'm here because of salvation. I'm here because of his great grace. I'm here because he's a savior. I'm here because his blood was enough. I'm here because he can transform a sinner into someone that's been saved by grace. I'm here because of that. Great God. Woo. The little Sunday school song says, count your blessings, name them one by one. And that's a great reminder because I just want to let us know it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget who brought us this far. It's easy for us to begin to look around and begin to think there's something that we must have done to get us where we're at. It's easy to look in the mirror and begin to think that someone that you see being in that reflection is one with great talent and ability. It's easy for humanity to look by the goodness of God. I knew I wouldn't get a great amen on that one. It's easy for us. I, I'm telling you that it's easy for us to forget about the ark in the mountain. It's easy for us to forget about a boat that got there, but it's the goodness of God. I, I, I got thinking about that. I know that we've got the rainbow here in this current generation to remind us of the, the great grace of God. But that generation, all they had to do was turn around and look up in the mountain. And there was a reminder of God's salvation. There was a reminder of God's goodness. It, it didn't disappear overnight. I mean, it didn't flow down in that little tiny mountain stream. It didn't go anywhere. It was there. And it was there for generations to remind them about the goodness of God. But yet, with that reminder on the horizon, yet with the goodness of God fresh in their mind, humanity forgot. We've all got boats in the mountains of our past to remind us of the greatness of God. But sometimes it's easy to forget. I wish I could say that humanity remembers those things forever, but there's a reason why scripture over and over again tells us to remind ourselves about what God has done, to make a declaration from generation to generation because it's easy for one generation to forget. And if you forget, you don't communicate it. And if it's not communicated, it's lost. And we have the blessing and benefit of some great history and heritage here at Capital Community Church. And we don't want to forget where God has brought us from. It would be very rare if we ever have a guest here that I don't, when we're coming across the Marysville Bridge, that I don't say this is where we started, right over here on the right. 
That little chapel, that little school, the basement of that school, people began to teach Bible studies and people began to invest in the kingdom of God and they gave of their time and their talent and their treasure and built that little chapel and, and that little chapel, they marched from that chapel up that hill to that church that they built in 1977 that we're connected to up that ramp where we're going to all eat great food at 12 o'clock or earlier. It's easy, I tell you, we got to remind ourselves because it's easy to forget about the greatness and the goodness of God. We've got to remind ourselves that some people gave some great gifts and gave of themselves and sacrificed greatly for us to be where we are today. And if we don't talk about it and if we don't communicate it, we forget it. And if we don't, for, if, when we forget it, we will lose it. We will. Because you see it in scripture, you only have to walk down through Noah's family tree two generations to find that his great-grandson forgot. Genesis chapter 10 and verse 8, it says, And Ham's son Cush begat Nimrod. Ham's son. Ham was Noah's son. And Ham's son Cush begat Nimrod. His, his great-grandson Nimrod, Noah's great-grandson, forgot. The Bible tells us that he began to be a mighty one in the earth. That's a recipe for disaster. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. The beginning of that kingdom that Nimrod began to build. Babel means confusion. And I'm just reminding us all that when we become mighty, it's very easy for us to begin to build our own kingdoms. It always happens. And I wish that I could walk Nimrod back through to Genesis chapter 8 and let him take a look at the ark there in Mount Ararat. And, and I wish that I could let him walk onto that uh, sandy floor, that, that rocky floor of the, the mountain and touch the side of the boat that buoyed his family to safety. But, but I can't go back there. But I can remind the church today about God's goodness in our life. I can remind the church today that God has brought salvation and we need to be mindful and remember what God has done for us. I'd like to take Nimrod back to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 1. That mighty man, he was a man that was able to hunt. He was a man that was able to make a great name for himself. But I'd like to take him back to Genesis chapter 9 and 1 and read that first verse. And it said, and God blessed Noah and his sons. Nimrod, you're only who you are because of God's blessing in your life. You're only who you are because of God's blessing in your life. I can't, I can't take Nimrod on any journeys. I can't get in a time capsule and go back. I, I can't do it. But, but we can remember this morning the goodness of God. We can. We can. We can pause and tell people about what God has done in our lives. And the story can be told of a God, not of destruction, but a God of salvation. But here we are, two generations away from Noah's Ark, we find Nimrod, and he's building a kingdom of confusion. In Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. They came from the east, and they, they moved away from that place, and that was God's intention. It was God's plan that, that they move into all the earth. He said, replenish the earth. He, he didn't say just replenish Mount Ararat. He said, go into all the earth and replenish the earth. Go. And, and so they are, in one sense, accomplishing God's purpose, but they are walking of their own accord and of their own will. And it says that as they dwelt there, they said one to another, go and let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. 
And this is what they said now. Go and let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad from the face of the whole earth. And you see that instead of the name of God being communicated, and instead of the name of God being revered, and instead of the purpose of God being built, the people began to push back at the very promise that God had given to them. They began to thumb their nose at God and say, I know what you said, that your blessing is resting on us, but we're going to go from here, God. Thanks for the help so far. We're going to build our own city, and we're going to build our own tower, and we're going to build our own name. We're going we're to accomplish all this Purpose, purpose by ourselves, and, and really in that moment, they begin to walk directly against the plan and the promise of God. Humanity hasn't changed any in all these years. We still have this desire to build our own kingdom. We all do. But it's in those moments where we get sideways that God still acts the way that he does. In Genesis chapter 11, in the very next verse says, and the Lord came down. I'm grateful for a God that sees us in the mess that we make. And God came down. He's not impressed. I dare say that God often isn't impressed with us either. Came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, behold, the people is one and they have all one language. And this is this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Because the power of unity is incredible. That's why there's value in us coming together this morning. That's why something begins to happen when we all begin to sing the same song. Now, we've got differences and preferences and we've got all that. But I'll tell you what, something begins to happen when we begin to work together. When we begin to come together and we worship together and we sing together and we praise together and we make declarations together and we release the power of God together. I'm telling you, nothing can, nothing can be restrained if we allow God's power to move through us together. Their problem was that their greatest work was in op opposition to God's greatest promise. They could have operated in God's blessing. They could have exercised God's great giftings. They, they could have become the people that God had desired. It was the great reset. I know politicians talk about the great reset, but I, I just want to remind every one of them, if they ever hear this, you don't have the power to make a great reset. God can make a great reset. They could, the people could have, but instead they began to build their own kingdom. So the caution in scripture is to be careful. Because just because it's popular doesn't mean that it's all right. Shiner was, that plane of Shiner was busy and it was buzzing. It had, it had people coming from all over. The communication was, was very succinct. Come on, come on, join us. We are all working together. It's wonderful. Just because it's impressive doesn't mean it's right. It may be the spot to be, but it wasn't the right spot. It may gather crowds and it may garner onlookers. It may be great by every human standard, but that doesn't mean it's good or of God. Because humanity, they looked and built that, that city and that tower. And their arms may have been strong enough to build bricks and their arms may have been long enough to mortar walls, but their arms were too short to fight against God's promise that he wanted released in the world. You see, here's, uh, we're, we're going to end probably maybe in a little different direction than you thought we were going, but we're going to talk a little bit about salvation this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. 
because, because we all end up going our wayward ways. We all end up going in the wrong direction, but God knows how to bring us back together. God, God knew that in order for those people to be arrested, that he had to bring about a change. God knew to bring division. He didn't have to take time to create tension among all the teams that were working together. God didn't have to introduce arguments about division. He, he only needed to change one thing. He only needed to make one move. God only needed to act in one direction. God, God didn't have to kind of get people working against one another and trying to build their own little kingdoms there on the plain of Shinar. God knew that he only needed to change one thing, and that was their language. He just had to place his finger on the lips of all of those people of one mind and one accord, and immediately the construction ceased. God said, let us go down there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad. You see what happens? They were united. They were all, I mean, the carriages and the cattle and Everybody was moving to the plain of Shinar until God said, I'm going to confound their language. I'm going to bring division among the people, and I only have to touch one thing. I've, I've just got to take my finger and place it on their lips, and when they get ready to ask for a hammer, they're going to say, Don Juan Labarto. And someone's going to look at him and say, what? What did you just say? Don Juan Labarto. What? Am I saying it right? Brother Morenzi, I need some help up here. I don't even know where Brother Morenzi is. There, don't want a hammer. La, le. Can't hear you, I'm sorry. We're just going with it. We're going to roll with it, all right? That confusion came because they couldn't communicate. The questions couldn't get answered. And it became exactly what the name represented, confusion. And the confusion of languages immediately divided people into nations. And when nations began to come together and people began to find someone that could speak the language that they knew, all of a sudden they said, well, we can't work together with them. We can't work together with you. You can't even, you can't fulfill a simple, you can't even get my hammer. You can't do anything. We can't work together. I'm sorry. We're divided. I'm sorry. We, we can't. And the work was arrested because the people couldn't communicate. They couldn't come together. The, their tongue was touched and they could no longer speak the same language. And the confusion abounded and it arrested the development of that Tower of Babel and the people dispersed. And there we see the beginning of all nations. All the nations began to find their own place and they settled in their own locales and locations and, and this beginning of nations brought about the construction of kingdoms and then those kingdoms, we see it in our world today and I hate it, those kingdoms rose against one another and now we've got wars and we've got people that are fighting for territory and we've got people that are extending and expanding and they're wanting more and they're stealing from one another and they're dividing themselves once again against another and, and we see all this division because God refused to allow humanity to construct something that worked against his promise because God had a plan of salvation from the very beginning and it didn't matter how organized you were and it didn't matter how strong that you were you could not fight against the promise and the purpose of salvation that God had for come on had for humanity 
That's why the church is powerful. Those kingdoms began to war and kill and destroy one another. Babylon fully lived up to its title of confusion and humanity has been confused ever since. But that wasn't God's intention. God's intention was a people united. God's intentions was nations coming together. God's intentions that the division that happened there in Babel wouldn't be permanent. But he saw in his mind, and you can read it in the Psalms, you can read it through scriptures. It starts with Abraham and God begins to say, I'm going to allow you to bless all nations. I'm going to let my blessing rest on you, Abraham. So begin this walk of faith, and we're going to let this work out into something that's great because all nations are going to be blessed through you. I'm, I'm beginning my work of restoration, and it starts there with you, Abraham, because what you begin is going to be completed at some point in some day. But what you begin is going to bring a blessing to all nations. Not just going to be your family, Abraham. It's not just going to be the Ur of the Chaldees that receives the blessing. But, but what you begin to do, you're going to get out from under all of, all of the territories. And you're going to step past all of the borders. And you're just going to get out and begin to walk in the turf that I prepared for you. And wherever you begin to walk, we're going to claim it. Because that is going to become your place and your people. And God begins this work of reconstructing what he would desire and design. God's intention was that humanity come together. And so we're going to jump down through a few generations and we're going to skip through the remainder of the prophets and the Psalms and all the songs that were sung. And we're going to, we're going to skip right to Acts chapter 2, if that's okay. And I know it's 11.02. And I know the food's waiting. But I think that God's got a message for someone in a church today. You see, God's intention comes to fruition in Acts chapter 2. And we, if you would like to take the time, we'd love to walk with you through Scripture to do, just to show you how from Abraham until now, God's at work. Amen? And so we find ourselves in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It's a very similar scenario in a very similar place. Acts 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. You see, this people that had once been divided, these people that had their own independent and individual purposes, now came together. And they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Because there's something about it when God sees people come together with his purpose in mind. You see, no longer is humanity fighting against the plan of God. But now these people are walking out the purpose of God. And God says, you know, I came down before. I came down before in Genesis 11. I came down before and what I saw was people in rebellion. I came down before and what I saw were people that were working against my purpose and my plan. I came down before and what, what I saw, but, but this time God said in Acts 2, he sees, these, he sees these people come together. And he said, go tarry in Jerusalem and wait for the power. So they've, they've been obedient and they've walked into his, his order and his 
command, and now they're waiting. And when God sees that they're waiting, the Bible says, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. You see, God came down to bless what they were beginning and what they were becoming. God wants people to know that, that I want this to come together. I want people to come together. We are an all-nation Sunday, but we are one church. Come on, we have all nations in this room this morning. I, I loved hearing Kenrick sing, sing in Tagalog. I, I loved hearing us sing in, in Spanish this morning. I, I love looking out and seeing different countries and cultures represented in the room this morning. And, and if I had more time, I'd invite everybody. As a matter of fact, maybe I just will. But if you've got a passport or you've ever held a passport of another nation, how many would just raise your hand for a moment this morning? Don't be shy. Raise it right up because it's a little dark in the room. Yeah. Come on. That's what we're talking about. We have multiple nations represented in this room. And our goal as a church is that our desire, I'll say our desire and our goal as a church, is that we become a multicultural Come on, place where people can come and find God. We don't want there to be any walls of division. We don't want there to be any separation. And I was looking back through my notes last night, and I went back, I went back to October of 2013. And there in my notes from 2013 was this whole thing where I be, began to see God unfolding the future for Capital Community Church and, and this whole idea about a multicultural campus and, and this whole idea was right there and we're just about 10 years in and I'll tell you, in 10 years, God has brought us a mighty long way. We've had people spend time in that room talking about citizenship and we've had people in those rooms out there help people learn English and, and we've connected with different individuals and different people from different countries and I'll tell you why, because our goal and our plan is to become a church much like that Acts 2 church where we represent every nation. And we want these doors to be wide open. We don't have any room for division and we don't have any room. Come on. We don't got room for discrimination. It's not here in this room. When that day of Pentecost came, God touched them and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, God touched their tongue again. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the formation of the church, that origin in its infancy, it immediately addressed what was lost in Babylon. In a moment... God restored what was lost. I'll tell you why. Because the church came together. The church was God's plan of salvation. We represent God's arm reaching for the lost. We represent God's arm pulling to, pulling to nations and sending the gospel. That's what our church represents. If we, come on, if we are a mirror of an Acts 2 church, then we have got to be a church that reaches for every nation, every kindred, every tongue, everywhere. We can come back to the music. I'd like to address the fact that God's plan is perfect. The title of the lesson today is Bye Bye Babylon. <laughs> Sorry, this is a little bit of Jack Lehman whimsical. Bye Bye Babylon. I'll tell you why. The church dismisses Babylon. The church dismisses division. The church, if you read on in Acts chapter 2, it said, And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out 
of every nation under heaven. So right there, God planned this whole thing. Tell me that God's not at work. He doesn't have everything in order. He, he does. He's working. That's, and right here in the picture, there isn't a theologian in the world that won't tell you that the origin of the church was Acts 2. If they do, they're wrong. <laughs> so in Acts chapter 2, there were dwelling at Jerusalem. Just happened to be there. <laughs> Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. We want our church to represent every nation under heaven. Capital Community Church is an all nations church. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, watch, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Confusion turned to confoundment. Babel's confusion was immediately erased and people were, what? We hear this. Did you hear that? Pass me the hammer. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which be Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and daughters of Mesopotamian, Judean, Cappadocian, Pontus and Asian, Phrygian, Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya and about Cyrene and the strangers of Rome and Jews and proselytes and Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Come on, we want a church that speaks the wonderful works of God in every tongue. Come on, every nation, every kindred, we want to be a part of a church like that because that is an act to church. The church in its origin addressed the division of nations. The church in its origin shut down wars, kingdoms rising. Because there's only one body. There's only one holy nation. There's only one peculiar people. Yeah, we're odd. Because you won't find this anywhere else. You won't find it in a club. If you're a real church, if you're a real apostolic church, then your doors are open to everybody. And we need to stop wearing labels and bringing about divisions. If that's in your heart, get rid of it. I've been in South America, I've been in Asia, I've been in Europe, I've been blessed. I hate traveling. I like home. I like Ararat. I like hanging out by the ark. Sometimes you got to go and sometimes we do go and sometimes we're called to go. Now, I've been in the north and the south, I've been in the east and the west. I just want to tell you the Holy Ghost is the same everywhere I've been. Come on, I've been there in Pakistan and walked down in the altar with people that didn't know the language that I know and I didn't know the language that they knew. But we began to pray for them and when we prayed for them, when we laid hands on them, they began to receive the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues. And you immediately can tell the difference because the Holy Ghost is powerful and there is a change that happens in somebody's spirit, in somebody's face and you recognize it. Something in you, that kindred spirit connects and you know, wow, they just got the Holy Ghost and I don't know Urdu, but I knew they got the Holy Ghost. 
Because the Holy Ghost erases division. The Holy Ghost connects us. The Holy Ghost calls us to be a people to reach for every nation. That's what the Holy Ghost does. And I love that in Acts 2, every, come on, Jews from everywhere, every, every nation. They got exposed. They, there was a testimony from every country that observed what God did. And it was unmistakable, irrefutable, that God had built his church. And I want, come on, we want. Is there an amen in the room that we want a church like that? We want to be a church like that. I've been in services where pastor began to speak in the Holy Ghost and there were guests that were here. And they said, I didn't know that you knew that language. I can't remember the language now. I want to say it was somewhere from Saudi Arabia. And he said, I didn't know the language. They said, well, you were communicating perfectly with us. We've been in services where God does that, where an unknown tongue becomes a known tongue because that's the power of the Holy Ghost and God will allow it to be a witness and God will allow it to communicate truth and God will allow, I'll tell you, that is the kind of church that we are looking for and that is the power of the Holy Ghost. So if you're, if you want to be a part of a church that, that preaches about the Holy Ghost and preaches about the fact that tongues is a part of our experience, then you found the right church. Because in Acts 2 church, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then it didn't stop there. That promise is to you and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So every nation has the hope of salvation. Welcome to All Nations Sunday at Capital Community Church. Peter's revelation in Matthew 16, 16. I'm closing. Team, you can come out. We can stand. Peter's revelation in Matthew 16, 16. Jesus has just asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he carries on and he said, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, God hated Babylon because it was the building project that pushed back against his promise. His intention was a building a building program and a building project but it wasn't a tower that pushed back against the promise of God it was a church that pushed forward the promise of God it was a church that said I know we're in the right place because God is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and so our declaration this morning is bye-bye Babylon there's a new construction there's a new unity there's a new kingdom God's intention for this blessing to rest on all nations is at work right now. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Thank you, Joel. Thank you for hearing the voice of God, putting pen to paper and making sure we knew that was part of the promise. Thank you, Joel. Thank you, Peter, for reminding us. But that revelation 
of God's construction program. I will build my church. That church is an all-nations church. The tower may be gone, but the spirit of Babylon still fights today. It's there in Scripture. The spirit of Babylon will work, and it's working right now. But there is a time when it will cease. Jeremiah spoke about it, said its destruction would come. Revelation 14, 16, and 17 chronicles its demise. You see, Babylon is going down, but the church is going up. In Revelation chapter 18 and verse 21, it said, And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city of Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. But I tell you what is found. What is found is a church around the throne of God. Every kindred, every tongue celebrating because God's great salvation worked in their lives. Bye, Babylon. Hello, salvation. Peter talked about it. He said the like figure whereunto he, he was reminded. He had the, the keys to the kingdom. He, he knew that God's construction of a church that... But he went back all the way. He, he reminded people in his first book. He said... He talked about salvation. He said, the like figure whereunto baptism. He spoke about Noah and how God saved him in the midst of the flood, buoyed his family to safety. But he said, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. What was he saying? He said that that message in Acts 2 didn't stop on the day of Pentecost. It continued. It carried on. It, it, it kept going. He said, the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Peter still was preaching Acts 2.38 when he was writing his book. And today we're still preaching that message because that's an apostolic church message. And I want to remind someone, if you're in the room today and you've yet to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, we have robes and the water's ready. We spent some time, come on. Yeah, it's all right, go ahead and celebrate We spent some time on Friday afternoon, did Bible study. At the end of the Bible study, the gentleman that sat across the, the, the desk from me, he said, when, how long do I have to wait before I'm baptized? I said, we don't. He just kind of looked at me. I said, do you want to do it right now? He said, yeah. I said, do you have any change of clothes with it? He said, no. I said, good, we got robes. He said, wow, I can't believe it. No red tape. I said, nope, no red tape. No red tape in the scripture, so there's no red tape here. No delayed baptisms in the scripture. Why? Because God wants an apostolic New Testament church to be ready to kick the doors open and welcome anybody at any time into the kingdom of God. Come on, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He is in a building program. God is building the church day after day, moment by moment. It's not finishing. Babylon is going down, but the church is rising up. Woo! I could dance for a moment. The old songwriter said, I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Is there any one of them in the room right now? Would you lift hands and celebrate the goodness of God?
Endo. <laughs>